0: Thank you. Everybody and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty reporting from Denver, Colorado, where I just got back from a wonderful vacation that I'll talk about in a few minutes. I've got my partner up in Chicago, Larry Mishkin. How's it going up there, Larry?
1: Jim, great to have you back. Uh, I'm excited to hear about your vacation. We missed you last week and things are going just fine here in Chicago. It's a little bit overcast and rainy today but generally it's been uh, warm, not too warm and kind of pleasant to sit outside on the back porch in the evening and listen to some good tunes. Um, yeah, it may rain a little bit today, so we'll see what happens, but otherwise we're doing fine except that everybody in Chicago is walking on eggshells at the moment because today was supposed to be the day, at least it was surmised to be the day that they were going to finally announce the dispensary adult use dispensary license winners. And as of, uh, Uh, 5.30 in the afternoon. Uh, Those winners have not yet been announced, Um, and uh, maybe by the time this this show airs in a couple of days, uh, they will be, and we'll look forward to that, Uh, and we're all very excited for that announcement to come soon.
0: Well, yes, I look forward to hearing that too. You and I have worked very hard on some applications for some great potential businesses up in Illinois, so um, we all look forward to Illinois getting their adult use and their supply and demand tuned in and balanced out.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: um, Yeah. We can talk some business here to start out. Um, Here we are almost really six months into the pandemic. Um, Very sad stories as I walk around Denver and see all the for lease signs on what was thriving businesses just a few months ago. Terrible. So still no bars to speak of. A lot of outdoor Seating. Fortunately, it's summer, and yep. uh, I don't know if they're doing this up in your neck of the woods, but in Denver and Longmont, where I live, they've ex- they've shut down half of the street. So if you have a two lane street, they're taking a lane away mm-hmm. for outdoor. So a lot of outdoor eating, which our weather has been cooperating with. Yep. Um, so um, that I am, in fact, after this uh, podcast, I'm going to head over to one of my favorite spots here in cherry creek the cherry cricket where you may have been with me at one time
1: oh okay very nice cherry Creek's always a fun place to be
0: yes and um so but the cannabis sales are very strong they just reported the may um, 2020 cannabis sales and it was a record for a single month and it was a 192 million um and if you multiply that times 12 that means there are you know, 10, 11-year-old mature cannabis business in Colorado is an industry of $2.2 billion in Colorado. And as we've discussed in previous shows, fully half of that amount is uh, collected by the state and local governments. Yep. So, very successful program. It shows that adult use works. We have not had a spike in underage use. In fact, it's declined. Yep. Our traffic deaths—maybe it's partly because people are driving less because of the pandemic—but <clears throat> traffic deaths in Colorado are very low right now. Uh, so, and um, prices are good. Um, we're back up to for for good quality cannabis uh, eighteen hundred dollars a pound at wholesale. Nice. We'll have the twenty-five dollar ace all over town. Wow. So, the. Consumers are buying, but some of my retailers have been singing the blues a little bit. Um, up in Boulder, one of them told me, hey, they sent home 30,000 kids, and many of them are our customers.
1: Sure. They're coming of back course.
0: anytime soon. That's right. Of course, the dead and company shows would have been enormous for the dispensaries in Boulder. That's was
1: planning been- on being there, yep. And then um, they also
0: um, – the University of Colorado has a very well-known Shakespeare Festival that brings in people from all over the country and even all over the world, and that's not going to happen. So times we live in, but, um, you know, I look at the deaths every day and the deaths seem to be not near what people thought they might be. So hopefully we'll get back to normal soon and get some baseball and some football.
1: Normal life would be a great thing, but you're right, because what we're finding here, Jim, is that any time seems to be normal for marijuana. They just released a bunch of numbers in Illinois. June sales were 47 million, which was the fourth month in a row that they broke a state record for sales. Of course, it's only six months old, but uh, each month they seem to be keep doing better and better. Uh, They released numbers that show for the first half of the year, uh, the Illinois program generated $239 million in sales. And again, that's with only about 52 or 53 operating uh, dispensaries statewide. And most of them are operating on a very limited schedule, both because of the pandemic and because of the fact that there's not enough supply to keep them open any longer than that. A lot of them sell out on a daily basis. And of that $239 million, uh the state has collected $52 million in taxes, state and local governments for the first half of 2020. So so these numbers are just uh, amazing because it is a pandemic. It is a brand new industry. Um, it It is a, a lot of things. And yet, our numbers are going through the roof. As you point out, Colorado, with a much more mature market, uh, is really in a position to capitalize on this to, to the tune of very large numbers, and, and that's always exciting to see. Um, as we talked about earlier, before we got on, when I was flipping around online and I made my way over to Marijuana Business Daily, which I highly recommend to anyone who wants to be updated on the industry, uh, I saw an excellent article that they had uh, about consumer spending. And what the Consumer Spending Articles talks about in particular is annual sales for legal adult use and medical uh, industry, marijuana, versus a number of other industries. And uh, incredibly enough, they found uh, that for craft beer sales, they were $29.6 billion. That uh, prescriptions for pain medication sales were at $16.1 billion. And the estimated legal wreck and adult use sales for 2019 at ten point six to thirteen billion dollars, however, they further extrapolate that out to 2024 and have that number coming in at close to 37 billion dollars, which would put it on top of anything by comparison. the NBA brings in about eight point eight eight billion dollars a year annually there's about 3.0 billion dollars in toothpaste sales in this country, one point six billion dollars in hard seltzer sales so relatively early on in its career nationally and certainly in markets such as as illinois and places like that we still see marijuana sales outstripping the sales for almost any other products out there
0: with not a lot of social problems i would say at least i certainly haven't seen anything cross my computer screen and i read a lot
1: of news every day well you know jim it's like you and i have always talked about right that uh we don't read a lot of stories about that. We just read the stories about the people who try to spread the myth. So we can't have marijuana because traffic deaths are going to rise, even though in Illinois and Colorado and most states where they've gone to adult use, they found the traffic deaths have gone down because, like you said, they surmise that people are smoking instead of drinking. And so to the extent that they do choose to get behind the wheel at the end of the evening, which nobody endorses, but if you're going to get behind the wheel, they're saying it is demonstrably safer to be behind the wheel if you're high as opposed to if you're drunk. And yep. with the with the prevalence <laughs> of adult use now, I think that that's something that we are going to see. under smoking has gone down in all of the markets that have brought in adult use. Um, and, and there is a number of uh, violent crimes go down, domestic abuse and violence goes down. Um It's really a remarkable thing, and in fact, I find that when my clients ask me to come to local community meetings where they're going to vote on whether or not to opt out of the Illinois program, um, most of the arguments made by the people trying to get the community to opt out are these same types of kind of tired and worn out uh, arguments that we've been hearing for years and that now we know not to be true. And you're absolutely right to say that with the, the, the proliferation of sales, to the extent we were seeing serious societal problems, you can be sure we'd be hearing about them.
0: Oh, yeah. If they could find something, they would they would put pin it on us. But, um, yeah, just very quickly back to Illinois and those numbers that you cited on sales and taxes, you still have a, just a medical program there. There's no adult use as of yet because we're still waiting on the licenses, right?
1: No, no, we do. We do have adult use as of January one. The the problem is that the only operating dispensaries or cultivation centers are those prior medical license holders who qualified for the matching adult use licenses. So then on January one, they would actually be up and operating. So as I say, we, we have. 54 adult use dispenser, excuse me, 54 medical dispensaries in the state. If each one of them had maxed out, we'd be at then 108 adult use dispensaries. But we're not, we're only at 54 adult use dispensaries because some of them have not taken that opportunity either because the community that they're in for medical opted out for adult use, or because they just don't have the resources to be able to do it as of yet. But these new 75 dispensary licenses, when they come online, will immediately, you know, more than double the size of the program in terms of available dispensaries, which will be great. Now we just have to make sure there's enough product to sell out of all of them.
0: Yes. As I've said many times, it's all about cultivation. If you yep. grow, you can sell it.
1: That's right. And I think that's true. And, and we're going to find out about that here now because... Um, You know i have a lot of clients it's interesting who have sat down and started crunching the numbers of number of uh, cultivation centers and how much total uh, canopy space does that mean and how much can it produce and what are the sales numbers and and they say look if if all of these cultivation centers are producing the maximum amount that's going to be more than the state can sell and my response is worry about that when you get there and my response would be you want to bet Exactly. exactly. Well, you know better than I. And so, you know, I, I'm not quite so bold as to say that yet, but that, that's certainly my sense that people always overestimate how much there's going to be. Um, and yeah, I, I think we're going to be just fine it here. It doesn't
0: really work that way. It takes years for a cultivation to come online and get that cultivation center dialed in. I mean, people are getting better at it now because we have yeah. 10-year history. But even a brand new, you know, you bring bringing your first clones and your genetics It can take two to three years to get that cultivation where you want it to be.
1: Right. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. And you got to carry the cost and expense and all the aggravation during that time. It's going to be a very, very competitive market here. Everybody's going to be looking for limited shelf space and you know, (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see, but hopefully, you know, it will allow the quality products to come to the surface and that'll be for the benefit of everyone.
0: So, um, I wanna move on to music, but before we do, there was just one last point um, that you had thought maybe making a point about Missouri. What's going on in Missouri?
1: Well, Missouri's just tied up in litigation forever. And it, it's 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 almost embarrassing to talk about. In fact, it is embarrassing to talk about because now they've gotten to the point where some of the litigation is based on who should be deciding the earlier matters that are already in litigation. Should it be the courts? Should it be the state commission? Sure. It's, it's, it's going to be a disaster down there for a while, and it's, it's very, very unfortunate um, because Missouri is a state that could certainly benefit um, not just from a medical program, but then from ultimately moving on its way to adult use. And as a you know, uh, person who was born and raised in St. Louis, it would be great to see it down there, um, but hopefully they'll get their act together sooner than later and, and, and make it work for them.
0: I hope so. It's a great state. I love St. Louis. I've been there many times. I think you and I have had a couple of cocktails in a hotel in St. Louis.
1: We have indeed. And in fact, when you were there last year, you even met my father.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's great. Came, that was great.
1: He came down to hear me speak after all these yep. years of wondering what the hell I did and couldn't believe it. It was actually legit.
0: Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear your dad is still with us and in relatively good health
1: yes he is we just saw him over father's day and he is doing very well hanging in there uh he has a grandson who's supposed to be getting married in september although it looks like the uh the the pandemic is going to push that date back somewhat we're still uh, negotiating how far and if we're going to how that's going to happen uh but no dad is doing great and um glad to have him around
0: well let's hope he listens to this podcast since we gave him a nice shout
1: out yep, he will now for sure absolutely
0: Well, let's move on to music, yeah. um, and I want to jump to the um, Grateful Dead's 50th, uh, yep. which i listening to. Um, part of my summer vacation was a six-hour-each-way drive to Moab, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, just quickly on my vacation, we um, did 94 miles on the Green River through Desolation Canyon.
1: Wow, uh, that's amazing.
0: native wilderness area. You pack everything out, including you have to bring a portable toilet. So yep. you pack everything out, and don't leave the beaches pristine. But you don't see a car, or a telephone pole, or any sign of civilization for five days and four nights in a tent. So my family went with, and I'll give a shout out to my longtime client in Moab, Utah, Sherry Griffith River Expeditions.
1: Nice,
0: a great job they do. And we've been working together since I think 1985. Dating myself some, but uh, great client of mine for a long time. Music. um Yeah, Working Man's. You know, my, the high point on Working Man's for me is the first song, Uncle John's. Always been one of my favorites, and um, I've read a little bit of the history of that song in the Grateful Dead lyrics annotated. Mm-hmm. Song is actually about a true Uncle John who was a Union general in the, um, the Civil War and was mm-hmm. very thought of as men and led them into battle many times including some of the battles that led up to Gettysburg.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: so now those lyrics all make a lot more sense to everybody I think.
1: No they do and and it, you know I I just got the um the dead's 50th anniversary release of Working Men's and, and so that's really got me thinking about it and and yeah I mean you could just listen to the eight songs on the album alone and it would be wonderful, but what they did here uh, was two things. One, they threw in like they always do with this stuff a little uh, information booklet. That's I mean the stories are incredible. I could read it all day. It, it's by a guy named David Frick, um, and uh, by gosh, he you know he he draws some great stories and some great comparisons, tracing you know directly how during this period of time uh, the dead were undergoing this change from being you know their kind of psychedelic rock band with just long open ended spacey jams uh to a band that was actually playing real songs in the sense of being songs that you know most people in the world were used to and done with kind of a country western uh twang to them if you will and um they you know, talk about on high times and uh, uh jerry using a pedal steel guitar for the first time and to record with a uh, new speedway boogie is on there and of course that's uh, uh robert uh, hunter uh telling his side of the story from the uh, Altamont disaster that had happened yep. um, right just a few months yep. before this album came out. Right.
0: In the heat of the sun, a man died of cold, that cold being a knife.
1: Yes, sir. It Absolutely. Steel. Yep. It went to Hell's Angels while the
0: Rolling Stones were playing.
1: Right. Yep. That's right. And the great so- dad,
0: I've, I don't know if I told this story, but this is what I know from just various books I've read. That uh, I think it was from Billy Kreutzman's book. Mm-hmm. The Grateful Dead did not go on because they right. thought they knew it was going to be a riot. Yep. So they refused to go on. But they played the night before and the night after in San Francisco. Yes. And Bill Graham refused to pay them for the first and third nights because he said they had broken their three-night contract.
1: Right. Yes, I did hear that story. And, in fact, um I also read that ultimately in, in later years in his book, Phil – lamented the fact that they didn't go on and, and said he, you know, he felt like they may have left, let some of the people down, um, you know, that had taken opportunity for music to go out there and, and, and let music, you know, spread the message of love and, and togetherness and all of that. On the other hand you know they were a pretty practical group and i think that they could clearly see what was happening and actually there's a couple of really really good books out there on altamont i just read one over uh the winter holidays and they talk about all of the mistakes that were made and one of the biggest mistakes that the promoters made and that the dead kind of latched onto, was that the stage itself was only about three or four feet off the ground it was at the bottom of a big kind of rolling hill so everybody was sitting up on the hill looking down there was no need to really elevate the stage and they didn't have enough time to build a full stage so as a result people in the first few rows could practically just walk right up onto the stage and when people rushed up to the front it really created a problem which ultimately led to uh the, the problem with the, the Hell's angels
0: yes um and thus um new Speed, speedway boogie is not one of my favorite songs but it's okay Yep. um it's uh, gives me a chance to tell younger people when they oh I love that new spadeway boogie that gonna be up on a mountain mm-hmm. and you know what that song's really about That's So, right. now before we move on from working man's my final comment is I was lucky enough to see the Grateful Dead play Uncle John's band at Red rocks
1: as was I it's a beautiful so, song and a beautiful place but what and I- they- the refrain at the end
0: was so powerful.
1: It always is. It's it's just one of those tunes that can move you to tears. And in fact, um, in, in this guy Frick's uh, write-up of it, he said that one of the key things about Uncle John's band, as far as the Dead's history is concerned, is it was one of the first times in which they engaged in song with natural harmony among all of their voices. And he said mm-hmm. a lot of that came from them having spent time with Crosby, Stills and Nash, who, of course, obviously are three guys who have beautiful harmonies and that they really picked up on that idea and wanted to bring it out themselves. And they talk about how that's one of the first things when they first heard Uncle John's band back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, and they heard the dead harmonizing like that. It was really uh, it was an amazing thing. the other part of this album jim that's 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 really worthwhile is in in addition to the 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 working man's dead they also throw in two discs for sets one and sets two of a show uh, from the capitol theater in port chester in february of 1971. it's it's a tremendous show and and one of the reasons why it's so good is it represents one of the first times a number of songs from uh, working man's and american beauty had been played since those albums came out and uh, you can see that you can hear the crowd reaction to these new songs as they start to play them, and it's it's just absolutely amazing, and it, it's it's like a real bonus. You get an entire show; um, it's well worth it.
0: Yep, yep, a lot of good history there. Well, we've talked quite a bit about our Grateful Dead, and um, I've been listening to lots of Grateful Dead. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Do you have any updates on Fish?
1: I do, and I'm glad you asked me. We've talked from time my, to time. My
0: update is no shows this
1: year. Yeah, well, that's right. and That's unfortunate. But thank God for Dinner and a Movie on Tuesday nights. And last night, um, they uh, they really pulled out a gem last night. Uh, and the one that they pulled out was from last year, the third night at Alpine Valley, July fourteenth, 2019 um and you and i have talked about this show i unfortunately missed it it was a sunday night and it just didn't i had been to the first two shows it just didn't work out for me to get back up there but all three of my boys were at this show uh matthew jonathan and daniel uh matthew with his whole crew of of guys that he goes to all of these shows with all around the country and he was kind enough to bring his younger brothers along but it was really one of the highlight fish shows in a while, just because of the number of bust outs, you know, stuff that they broke out, uh, the landlady for the first time in 122 shows, Olivia's pool from the first time in 692 shows back to November of 97. And then one of my favorites, the man who stepped into yesterday into a Vinu was 147 shows. And I just have to stop and just take note of the fact that a Vinu is actually a Jewish prayer that's recited on the holiday of Yom Kippur which is the most religious holiday of the year when you're asking God for absolute forgiveness of all your sins and it's kind of the peak crescendo moment of the service towards the end when the the choir and everybody we've been fasting all day and everybody sings avinu Malkanu in this kind of plaintive tone and to hear fish sing it on stage is is just blows me away absolutely blows me away. I, I was able to play it for my uh, father-in-law who was a very very uh, uh, religious man before he passed away a number of years ago and within thirty seconds he recognized what it was and thought this is fantastic that somebody plays it like this so uh so, so that's a great song. they played strange design that night, Nicolas for the first time in two hundred and ten shows. Jim, I don't know about you, but there was nothing better than being at a dead show when they busted out something for the first time and Two years, five years, ten years. I was lucky. Oh, yeah. enough. I was lucky enough to be there when they busted out box of rain, dear Mr. Fantasy. It <clears throat> rec- busted out, and a few others. And it, it's a magical moment. And to get six of them in one show is really just incredible. Um, and it, but but the the other highlight of that show that I just have to touch on, because I know we're running out of time here, is if you may recall, we talked about this. They played Contact that night. And two nights before in a bar in Milwaukee, my son's good buddy who had been at a wedding and couldn't go to the first show, bumped into Trey and the band at the bar, the, the hotel where they were all staying. Well, yeah, this is a good story. And he told Trey, hey, Trey, my girlfriend, and Trey said, you guys can never get married. And he said, I'll tell you what, Trey, if you guys play contact, I'm going to propose to her. And two nights later, the second-to-last mm-hmm. song, Trey stepped up, up to the microphone and said, we're about to change some people's lives. They played Contact, and they went out of it with a little Here Comes the Bride, Diddy, and my son and his buddies all just went crazy, and everybody was filming them, and the, the spotlight was shining on them, and uh, it was a pretty amazing thing. So was that at Alpine Valley? That was at Alpine Valley last year, and it was at that show that they played last night on uh, Dinner and a Movie. So gotcha. a lot gotcha. of fun. yeah.
0: Yeah, Alpine Valley is like your Red Rocks.
1: It is. It is. And let me tell you something else you you mentioned about driving. Um, I talked to Bob Hoban previously. He, he went on his family vacation. They drove 1,100 miles, but they were going through beautiful scenery in the west. We drove out to the Poconos and back, which is Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Indiana and Ohio couldn't be any more boring. Pennsylvania is a little more entertaining. But one of the things I, I mentioned last week that you'll like is on the way out there. I drove by exits that would have taken me to four locations where I saw the dead during the summer, Tinley Park in Illinois, uh, Deer Creek in Indiana, and Buckeye Lake, and Cuyahoga Falls in in Ohio, and I've seen the dead there on summer tour, and every time I've driven down Highway 80, it's always been to go see a show there, and every time we went past an exit, I had to stop and point it out to my kids, this is where you'd go to go to Cuyahoga Falls, and-
0: Well, in these troubled times of pandemic and social unrest, it is great to get out on the open road, and- Our beautiful,
1: America. I agree. I agree. And my other comment was, thank God for the Grateful Dead XM radio station, because it gave me 12 hours of uninterrupted dead. The whole way out there was just wonderful.
0: Yes, I love my satellite radio. I go back and forth between the dead channel and the fish channel.
1: Me too. You know, based on what shows they're playing or uh, what's happening at the moment, I agree. They're both good stations to listen to. Um, Yeah, it's great. It makes the drive so much better. Okay. Um,
0: Very good, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Thanks for listening. We have to wind this one down. Larry, any closing thoughts?
1: Um, No, Jim, you know, it's great to have you back. I'm glad you had a good vacation. You came back to us all safe and sound and ready to go. You know, I love the fact that uh, any day now we're going to have huge news here in Illinois to talk about. And um, thank God for the Grateful Dead because we always have something to talk about there. So have a great week. I hope everyone stays safe and stays healthy. And I look forward to speaking to you next week, Jim.
0: Sounds good. Bye, everybody.